the earth quakes and the heavens tremble, it's time to awaken a god and wait, this sounds familiar. It's the return of Dimogen. things i didn't have on my list for this movie was a uh-huh. blushing dimogen <laughs> the blushing dimogen that would have been a better title than the return yeah. of dimogen he's a he's a he's a little flirty in this one a little, he's loose. A little flirty he is a little flirty you know he's he's yeah i don't i'm not sure what he's into but he's he's definitely a little flirty <laughs> welcome back to the monsters vs. men podcast this is the bargain basement of Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing the return of Dimogen, of course. Mm-hmm. Alex, return. I really liked our episode last week. I have to be honest with you. I, I did, too. I, I did hate too. to pat myself on the back, but let me pat myself on the back and just say, I thought that was a pretty good episode. Yeah, I thought it was, too. I was I was uh, pretty satisfied with it. And it was a you know it was a short one, but it wasn't lacking on content. No, and it was it was a nice throwback to the uh, you know the, the the old Japanese days of you know like us watching these slow paced movies <laughs> yes. that nobody will else will watch. You know, it's like it's kind of like a Gamera series style episode. Yeah. You know, um, I, I liked it. I liked it. And I was thinking, why did I like it? Evangelion was fun. I enjoyed Evangelion. I enjoyed the the Monster Madness series, but at times in both of those series, I just felt maybe it was a little bit out of my element. I don't know. Like there there are people that like know this better than I do. Like Evangelion, especially, it's like, man, I really don't know what I'm talking about most of the time with Evangelion. <laughs> well, to be fair, no one does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there are people who are like, it's like to talk about Evangelion, I need to watch that like six times to even have a decent grasp. And not, I'm just scratching the surface. Here, I feel like, okay, yeah, there's a lot about Dimogen I don't know. This is for sure, right? Um, but I think I only have to watch Dimogen once to get a decent grasp on it. <laughs> and fortunately, we got to watch it twice with last week and this week being virtually the same movie. <laughs> I'm glad you said it and not me because I am right there with you. Oh, man. Well, I was like, into it. <laughs> this week we return to Dimogen with the return of Dimogen. <laughs> we mentioned last week. Quit repeating three, yourself just like know, this movie. I know. We mentioned last week that all three of these films were filmed and released the same year, 1966. But after watching this week's film, I find that fact even more interesting. Did you feel like, and I think we spoiled this a little bit, Alex, but did you feel like this was more of the same? Or did this week's picture raise Dimogen's fame? Ugh. Um, I think it was really more of the same. Uh, I, I think a lot of people might take umbrage with this, but as we both kind of hinted at, this feels like a remake <laughs> of the previous mm-hmm. film, but released in the same year. <laughs> They made yeah. the same movie in the same year and released it the same year. But it's like they made, remade the previous film and decided to make it less interesting uh, for me. I appreciate that we do spend more time with the characters, but I can't help but feel that this is still 
somewhat poorly paced. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it might be less interesting. I wonder... I can't right quite put my finger on why that is. Um, but I think maybe it's because that newness of Dimogen maybe worn off for me. I, I, I can't put my finger on why this is less interesting other than, well, everything feels like it's already been treaded on. What about you? <laughs> well, I'm actually a bit split on this because I think the director of this film must have listened to our podcast last week, Alex, uh, for sure. And, and taken all of our criticisms and tried to address them in this film. <laughs> but then he caused another problem because nothing really changed in this movie as far as the plot is concerned. I actually think this film is more interesting, though. Uh, not less so, as you mentioned it. As long as you don't consider it as a sequel. In fact, if someone was just to ask me, Eric, <laughs> Eric should I watch a Dimogen film? Which Dimogen film should I watch? The first one or the second one? Just like that, I would say yeah. you should watch the second one. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I would probably recommend it to someone, honestly. Like if you just wanted to get a feel for what Dimogen was and what it was about. Because as I said, it addresses the criticisms from last week. My first criticism was the fact that we didn't get that great feudal Japan movie. I think here we get a much better feudal Japan movie with elaborate set pieces full of extras and architecture and great sets. It's still not an intricate plot, of course, but this one works better for me uh, because of another criticism that we both agreed on last week. Last week, we criticized the fact that we we felt nothing for these characters. Here, I thought we definitely had better lead characters. Did you find yourself more attached to these leads than uh, the last film, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I did like the leads a little bit more here. Uh, that's not saying a whole lot, to be quite frank. But honestly, I still felt that overall they were pretty hollow. Still, I think the princess and her best friendo uh, Todai um, were probably my favorite parts. Hmm. The other characters were all serviceable, and you know, by no means were they bad. But I really felt like. The film is done a great disservice by some of the leaps that happened in the film. And I think they rob us of some character moments we could have had. Like, the most egregious one that I can think of was... So there's the moment where they've broken into the castle and they finally got the bad guy. Right? They got him. They got they got the knife to his throat. Mm-hmm. And they've got all these people chasing him. They've got this hostage. And it's this really interesting scenario. Like at any time, yeah. all that's standing between them and death is this bad guy. And then in the, the shot cuts, and the bad guy has escaped from the guy's <laughs> arms somehow. Yeah, it's really We don't know how, but he's just <laughs> well, running. He like pushes away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what kind of hostage situation is this when you can't even hold on to this fat man? And... It was such a lame escape for this narrative trap that they had created in the movie. And it just robs us of like this tension that could have been really built up leading to maybe a more harrowing escape. Because let's be honest, when that happens, I'm ripped from the movie. And not only that, the whole scene just feels, it just all feels so convenient now. They jump now, they're at this well, they can jump into it. And swim to this exterior place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just, it's just such like a disappointing moment. 
And there's a, yeah. there's a few of those. Now, some of them are created by the key conveniences that are perpetrated by Dimension, which I like some of them. I think there are too many of them, but I do like some of them. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the characters, though? Like, did they work for you in the grand scheme of things? That 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 scene you mentioned is disappointing. <laughs> it's so <laughs> disappointing. It's really interesting. It's got I'm so like, much tension. Like, yeah, it's like where is this going to go? They are surrounded. Like to me, they, oh, exactly, exactly. It's like so they had to resolve it somehow, and they weren't ready to kill off anybody. So. <laughs> it just felt like a kind of a, a lame plot point. I, I, I give that. Yeah. Um, I would also say that it was interesting to me. Cause I'm like, why doesn't he just kill the guy right here and become the new leader of this army? Like he has the power, right? He has like this, this name authority kind of, um, I don't know. It, it could have been interesting, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I feel you. But the characters, why did I like them? Well, it's really the performances. Kojiro Hongo, who you recognize, right, Alex? Who is he? He's the he's like the main guy from Gamera. He's the <laughs> in all the all the older uh, Gamera he's, movies. He's, he's like the an, guy that pops up in a lot of them, right? Yeah, he's in all of them. <laughs> uh, is he yeah. in all of them? Not all of them, but he's he's in I think four or five. Uh, yeah. Hongo is in all of them. Um, I'm, I'm not all of them, but four or five. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huh. So he was, to me, I thought he brought this kind of like fiery passion, which was understated, like understated but fiery passion to the performance. But then I also thought that Lady Suryuri, um, or Suryuri, uh, Shiho Fujimura, uh, who played her? She's very stoic in her performance, but something uh, about the looks that she gave uh, really made me care for these characters. It wasn't over the top like the princess was last week. It was much more understated. Uh, but she also was just so subtle that it brought that fiery passion to this performance. But beyond that, I, I thought the camera was just as effective this week as it was last week, if not more. There were just so many shots that I wanted to choose for my favorite shot award. Um, but ultimately I had to choose, uh, one, unfortunately, but I will mention one here and that was the funeral sunset, sunset shot. I have to mention uh-huh. the sunset shot, Alex, you know, this, yes. uh, once again, there was just great framing there with the extras in the background, uh, Sayuri on the left in the foreground and the mound of the burial right there on the right, the shun- sun shines through, through the trees in the upper right hand corner of the shot creating that silhouette effect it's just yeah. really cool and it um, reflects off the water too just yeah like oh yeah it, i mean i loved i loved that uh entire scene and there were just moments like that if, if this film and it, also i would just say i like the architecture in this film and i like some of the things they do with the japanese architecture if last week had a focus on maybe the landscape of feudal japan this week had more of a focus on the architecture of feudal Japan. So I kind of like that contrast. We had a different focus this week in, in yeah. some of the shots. So that was interesting. Very true. It, you know, it, it, it's interesting to hear your compliments uh, for the film because especially the camera work, which I, I thought did a couple of interesting things throughout it, but I thought largely it was actually kind of uninter- uninteresting to me compared to last week's film. 
Um, there are decent shots, like you said. That, that funeral one in particular is a big standout for me. Um, but in terms of doing unique things with movement, uh, I feel like it's kind of non-existent. Uh, I, now, I've railed on the movie a lot, though, and I, I do want to give it a few compliments. I still really like Dimension. Uh, I even like some of the plot and uh, conveniences of like the divine intervention that happened. Uh, I think my two favorites are the sinking boat, which was pretty cool when it got sucked down underneath the water. And I like the protection from the falling rocks that happened in the cave when, when the, when the, the statue is destroyed and they fall on them. Mm-hmm. And then they're both like, Oh, I don't have a scratch on me and I'm not hurt. I was like, Oh, okay. I like this. I like this. I do think that we do it a little bit more um, than we should, but that's okay. Uh, and while I didn't quite, believe the other convenience the tethering of the bad guy into the on the cross at the very end that yeah uh i did like the imagery though and i like the feeling of this almost inevitability that like sits in the air as dimension just stares out across the water you know his will be done um (laughs) i do like that i just i don't buy a man getting away from fire on his boat by climbing up a thing and then the cut of him <laughs> being hung on the cross is hilariously awful um <laughs> like i actually laughed and <laughs> i think he's climbing he is he's, he's, he's climbing and he, he gets tethered in the ropes yeah. but in one shot he just got has like one arm kind of tethered in it yeah. and then the next shot he's being choked to death and yeah. both arms are in it and it's <laughs> I, I, I think it's he's climbing. So the reason he's climbing is my guess is this guy can't swim, right? Um, uh, it's possible. So it's like death by fire or death by water. And so it becomes even more terrifying there. You know, it is like a suffocating effect, right? Of you, like, you could have a really good point there. I'm Eric. like, either way, he's 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 a dead man and he's just trying to stay alive as much as possible. And yeah, like that, that the tethering didn't bother me because I'm like, ah, oh, this is just a visual representation of, of, kind of his final moments as his, the life is choked out of him. So I don't know. I yeah. thought it was cool. I thought, was, I, I, no, I just thought the cut to the convenience of him being like that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I like the imagery. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, that was cool, but actually really for me, um, <laughs> uh, you know, another compliment I have to give is, you know, we did get to spend more time with the characters here and I do appreciate that because I can't remember really anybody from the other movie and I can remember two characters from this one instead of one from the other movie. Mm. Um, and it, again, I mentioned him earlier today. Uh, he's really the standout for me. Uh, I, I thought he was really likable. I thought he was kind of charming and I was really sad. Like he got, he got a pretty brutal end Yeah, actually. And he just really stood out for me. Um, well, he's not the one that stood out for me, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've praised the film, I guess, for the most part. So I better return to some criticism, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't like it too much. No, I can't like it too much. As I stated at the beginning, it is hard to get past the fact that this is essentially the same movie as the original. Like, It's almost comical how it hits all the same beats with the exact same pacing. Uh, it might be a little bit more refined this week, but that doesn't change the fact that both of these films start with an unexpected o- uprising to overthrow a peaceful village in which our protagonist fr- finds a miraculous means of escape. 
It doesn't change the fact that that same protagonist gets himself captured by trying to be a lone wolf or the fact that the princess attempts to be this self-sacrificial lamb. (laughs) It's like this film takes all the elements from last week, turns up the volume a little bit. The best example is, you know, when they're trying to destroy the Dimogen idol. Last yeah, time with, with, with enough explosives yeah. to destroy half of New York City. I oh, think. yeah, exactly. Well, last <laughs> week they did it with chisels. This week they're doing it with explosives. Uh, this is a perfect example of the good and the bad. In some ways, I like upping the stakes like that. Like, that's kind of interesting. The stakes? Like, the stakes, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I like upping the... Uh, Okay, the stakes <laughs> involved. That, like, that's cool. But on the other hand, last week, I found the simple forehead chisel, mm. which vibed perfectly with that horror atmosphere of the first to be more and satisfactory. We definitely lose some of the horror elements here. Um, I think you lose in, all of them. In like the, the vibe, except for the last, I would say the last 15 minutes. I think you get some of that back. Um, but that buildup, that slow buildup, I think you kind of lose in in replacement of a better feudal Japan story. So that would be what, what I would say. It's kind of a trade off there. So pick your poison, I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I don't. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, on NVM Plus this week, Alex, we talk about D- Dennis Villeneuve slash Villeneuve. <laughs> and his comments about Marvel movies, because we know, Alex, you're a Marvel fanboy. Um, and <laughs> I will, I want to hear your thoughts. So we talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about Dragon Ball Z movies that you've been watching. Yeah, just and, briefly. Yeah, yeah, we get into a little bit of everything, going a few, um, a few rabbit trails, I should say, Alex, and eventually end with whether or not we're going to go see a movie this weekend with our friend Jay. It's a great yeah. time. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for being so indecisive, Eric. Um, anyway, <laughs> oh, but real quick, yeah. Eric, I want to surprise you. Kyo Itoshi. Ooh, I love it. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. So she sent me three notes on our last episode. And she said she had so many notes for our Evangelion series, she didn't have time to write them. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It's a bad but, thing. Um, so she says, you know, in the last episode, you stated that Daimajin supernaturally teleports behind the samurai when they close the castle gates. But she mm-hmm. says, actually... He doesn't. Uh, Samanosuke orders his men to close the gates, even though he still has a bunch of troops trying to get inside. And then they cut to a shot from behind the samurai on the mm. other side trying to get in. Mm. And so they see the dimension behind them, and they're caught between him and the gate, and then he smashes the door. Or ah. he kills all of them, and it hits the door. I like and, the supernatural version better. but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do too, but she's right. Uh, that's a shame. It's a shame. But yeah, um, so and then also she man she's gunning for you. This oh yeah. I like this I like this. Okay, this is good. She says I think this is what you meant actually when you said it, Eric. But uh-huh. uh, she said it wasn't the kid's innocence that swayed Dimogen at the end of the film that made him stop his rampage. It was Kazasa's 
unselfish act of throwing herself on top of the kid in an effort to protect him. Right. And then he's banished back to the mountain. And she said, she also pointed out that Kazosa is wearing a white and red, uh, I forgot what the name of the clothing is, but she's wearing a white and red priestess outfit. Mm. And it really shows like her purity. Whereas Shinobu's was actually gray and not white because the realities of the harsh world had pure, had tinged her purity. Mm. And she also said that Eric is totally right though, about that Daimajin would just as soon stomp the rest of the villagers for their inaction. Yeah. Which I really like. And it says it also shows how revenge can easily get out of hand and destroy the person who wants, wants it as well as the wrongdoer. Yeah. And then the final cultured moment, which I had a feeling, Eric, this would be one that I would have to hear about when I said old licorice teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and I'm really going to cut, I'm really kind of shrinking down what she was telling me about it, but the teeth blackening is kind of the equivalent of what we saw with um, Europeans and stuff like that back in, back in the 1800s and before that, like where being fat was a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Being fat was a status of, uh, was a symbol of status. And that's what this was. Hmm. Teeth blackening was a symbol of status and kind of elevated you into this. It was actually a fashionable good thing, even though it was completely horrifying looking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call it what it is, right? So it was a really common among nobles and samurai warlords at the time. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I've seen it before. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it, it is a little scary, but it is. No, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, uh, it, it shows that sense. she's from like a. It shows that she's like from a noble bloodline. But there mm, you go. Yeah, makes that, sense. Old you know, licorice teeth. Yeah. Well, that transitioned us to our. Uh, coolest character because we both loved her last week, old licorice teeth. Uh, <laughs> so who was your coolest character this week, Alex? Yeah, uh, I had to go. <laughs> I've already said his name a couple times. Tadohe. Mm-hmm. I think that he, uh, all he does is care about the uh, lady Sir- Sayuri mm-hmm. and watches out for her. I think he's actually a little comical. Um, and you know, he, he meets his bitter end trying to do what's best. What's funny is I can't even remember who he is. <laughs> Man, it's funny. Cause I can't even remember the two guys that go in and, uh, try to kidnap Juro? the bad guy. Oh, I can't even remember what they look like. Juro. Hongo. Juro. Oh, I know the name Juro. Cause uh, I kept thinking churro. Delicious. You were hungry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, treat. I didn't choose Juro as my coolest character. I thought about it, um, but I, I, I saved it for a little bit later. But I chose Lady Sayuri, um, who was also wearing a white uh, robe, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, you may have noticed. Again, I, her, her performance was subtle, but uh, to me, memorable. To me, more powerful in its subtlety than last week's kind of over-the-top princess. So I really liked, I really liked the performance here. Um, from her and just the character in general. It was pretty much the same character, but uh, with a little bit more nuance, I thought. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, What about your most memorable line? The most memorable line was, our image is gone, but they cannot destroy our God spirit. It was just that little, like, 
you knew that was going to come back. Like even though they destroyed the statue with, as you said, Alex, enough explosives to destroy half of Japan. Is that what you said? Half of New York. <laughs> half of New York. <laughs> uh, then yeah, I mean, it's true, but like that's kind of not the point, you know. Like that's a bad thing for them in the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It what is. about you? It, it, you know, I forgot to write. A most memorable line. So you might have to aid me in my hour of need, mm-hmm. Eric. Okay. But it's the last line of the movie. And he says something to the effect of when he says ringing the bell. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I like that little, little piece. He says something like he's wishing for uh, us to be peaceful forever or something like that for everlasting right. peace. That's yeah. what he says, yeah. right? Yeah. He's wishing us for ever, everlasting peace or something like that. And I was like, bro, you don't know. <laughs> he might just enjoy playing an instrument for once. Well, that, like you finally well, yeah, threw exactly, him something. Exactly. Right? I we mean, next week is the Wrath of Diamogen, so I don't think that a piece is too eternal. That's right. And, well, and they all, that's, this is when all three Diamogen get together and they create a band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you can't believe the acting award? I got to give it again. I'm, gonna, I'm hung up on him. He's my, he's my dream boat. Uh, I got to give it to. <clears throat> uh, I forgot his name already. Tadohe. No, I know I, his name's Tadohe. The actors t- of Tadohe is, is uh, Taro Marui. I think he does a great job of eliciting all those emotions that Eric did not see happen. No. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think he's he's the unsung hero of this film. <laughs> well, I <laughs> saved this character for him. I can't believe the acting to go to Kojiro Hongo as Lord Juro. Uh, I didn't think he just had this fiery passion right underneath the surface there. Uh, it was great to see a familiar face. Uh, I cared about him definitely more than I cared about the leads in the previous film, starting with the moment at the beginning of the film, Alex, when it turns out he's being played, but you see his compassion when the three men come to offer, like to, to be a part oh, of his, right. his That's village. That's a good moment. And uh, they offer him their rice, and it's all they have. Um, and he could tell, like, the sacrifice was really meaningful to them, um, yes. that they were giving him this. Now, it turns out they were playing him, right? Right. <laughs> but he was moved by that moment because of what they were willing to sacrifice, because he knew how poor they were, or he thought he knew how poor they were. Um, but he wasn't talking down to them. Like he accepted them and, and was, you know, grateful for what they were willing to give. So that made me care about him. As soon as the movie was starting, I was like, Oh, this is a ruler. That's a good ruler uh, that cares about his people. So it was a nice contrast to that evil warlord dictator character. Yeah, no, I think, I think you are right on the money. It's a really great way to introduce a character. Yeah. Um, what about your standout effect award? Well, my standout effect award was the Moses scene, Alex. <laughs> uh, we had so much like Bible imagery in this movie, but the Moses scene was the best. <laughs> yeah. When, you know what I'm talking about. When oh, I do. Diamond reveals himself from underwater and <laughs> the Red Sea parts. And it looks a little weird. I'm not going to lie. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But, 
but it is memorable. I will, I will, it will stand out in my mind as the standout effect, Alex, um, because Dimogen is maybe Jesus, maybe Moses, maybe God. I maybe all of them combined. Maybe all of them. Oh, he's the Trinity. I got it. Got you. Wait, Moses is a part of the Trinity. <laughs> I was going to say Moses is a part of the Trinity. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Alex, what did you have for standout effect? <laughs> the God, the Son, and the Moses Spirit. God, the Son, and the uh, Moses. <laughs> well, he's the Holy Spirit, too, because uh, even though the image is gone, they cannot destroy our God's Spirit. Okay. So, a standout effect award. <laughs> Uh, I think mine's actually like yours, Eric. We both got a tongue-in-cheek uh, standout effect award because Dimension throws a rock and squishes a man, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's awful looking. And I, I'm telling you, this movie unintentionally made me laugh pretty good many times, and this was one of them. Uh, it, it shows this man get crushed, and then it's got the, some of the worst blood I'd seen in a while. Oh, yeah. Um, on the outside of it, and it's just so funny. <laughs> it's just so funny looking. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel that. You know, uh, this th- th- This and the moment where <laughs> I think it's Juro washes up on the boat, and I'm like, <laughs> you weren't out in the sea you're in a lake <laughs> and it's like he's watching up from this long journey <laughs> i wasn't sure what had happened to him honestly <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I so thought maybe ridiculous. he had been injured or something I'm yeah i mean they, they said that they had been but it was completely know. ridiculous yeah what about your oh that's a good shot award all right <laughs> You actually mentioned the one that I was thinking I was actually going to do, which was the mm-hmm. sunset funeral shot, because it yeah. is like really excellent. But I was thinking, and I remember this other one that I really liked. Yeah. Dimension throws, at one point, another rock. I think he throws the rock. And it splits in half. And it's got Dimension standing perfectly in the center of it. Mm. When it splits and it, it shows him, it's awesome. That is cool. Yeah. There were some really cool shots like that, for sure. Um, what did you think about the Attack on Titan sequence? I thought it felt like another Dimension movie I had seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I understand. No, uh, yeah. So I had two, oh, that's a good shot, awards. One, that was a Dimension shot. And that was the shot from the boat at the end with Dimogen in the background, just standing there. Right. Mm, yeah. Really cool. Um, even before, like it was like kind of, you get the shot before it starts burning and the shot after it burns basically from the same angle. But I liked it a little bit better before it was burning just because you knew something bad was about to happen. It was inevitable. And, and he's, he's trying to get away as fast as he can, but, like you're not getting away from this thing, you know. <laughs> no. um, but mine, uh, my other one, and I think this one is even more impressive. It's it's during the first escape sequence. Um, you get this entire like shot where uh, the characters have to they like run into this kind of hallway type of thing, this this overpass, and they go into this like tunnel 
two of the characters go into this tunnel. One of them's Juro, right, to to kind of escape um, with his mm-hmm. sidekick. There, they go into this tunnel. The other guy pulls the rocks down. Oh yeah, on that tunnel, and then proceeds to have like this choreographed fight that had to go perfectly as like seven other extras come into the scene. There was a lot happening there, and on top of that, at, when the rocks fell. There was this really cool effect with how it looked, right? Like there was actual dust um, yes. that rose right then. And it all had to come off perfectly or it wouldn't have worked at all. And it did. Uh, so it was things like that, like those little sequences that made me appreciate some of those elements of this film. And I thought that was just a great shot um, that lasted over a period of time. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, let's do our rating and ranking then, uh, Alex. I'll go ahead and start uh, so that you can gather your negative thoughts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm as down on this one as you are. I have some oh. real criticisms, of course. I, I think the loss of the horror atmosphere is a shame. But I do believe that we get a better feudal Japan story here, in large part due to the more memorable characters, which is actually due more to their performances than the writing. If you watch these two films backwards, I think that you would feel that the original was a step down from this one because Mm. overall it is. But at the same time, I can't rate this one higher because of the fact that it doesn't do anything new or interesting with the Daimajin mythos. And the truth is it does come after, right? Uh, Right. I'm waiting to next week to see if the trend continues uh, and we, we get something new or something the same, Alex. But I will add, I will add one final thing. There's something definitely messed up with the theology here when you really consider it. And I'm sure I'll get, <laughs> I want to get more into this next week uh, as we kind of wrap up Dimogen. As a preview, though, let's be honest. Dimogen is actually a tyrannical bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. that's that's a preview that's a preview for next week but back to the rating and ranking yeah i think I, i'm gonna give this one the same as i did last week's alex so i give it a 3.5 out of five well okay okay how about you uh you know i, I don't know if i'm gonna be saying anything surprising for anyone who's listened to this so far but as as many people could guess from my comments on this uh, i'm not really a fan of this one uh i like the previous film's horror atmosphere which is just completely gone in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, I don't think this one has any moments of tenseness that are even close to what we had seen in the previous film. And it could also be that we've seen this film before. Um, I had a very strange sense of deja vu run over me as I watched most <laughs> of the scenes in this movie. Uh, it was like, they, it. what's interesting about it, and it probably would have been okay if they had done it like 30 years later or something, is it was like they did some sort of reimagining of the same story, which is a cool idea, except for, you know, they came out at the same year uh, with way too much in common. Um, it was kind of a <laughs> Dills from the villain away they comments, just kind of a copy and paste job uh, to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I, I was pretty unimpressed with it, especially, you know, one of the highlights last week was when we finally got to see Dimension mm-hmm. and the destruction and the unrelenting like terror that he was inflicting on the, the everybody. Mm-hmm. And then 
this felt like it had the same beats when he attacked. Yeah. And it like from knocking buildings over from instead of chains, ropes being tied around them this time. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it felt almost beat for beat the same as the previous week, which was really disappointing. Um, it did have some interesting things happening though. Uh, a lot of events in it made me laugh unintentionally, uh, from the film's perspective, but you know, laughter is always good. So I'll give it a uh, 2.5 or sorry, a two and a half out of five. There you go. 2.5 out of five. Yeah. Take it. Take it. So still better than psycho Gorman, but <laughs> yeah, better than psycho Gorman, but I, uh, and you know, you mentioned something earlier that kind of made me think on this a little bit more. If I had to pick between which one to introduce somebody with to, yeah. With each of them, I would probably, you know what, I would probably go with the first one, even though just because I like the horror in it, and yeah. I, and that the, the imagery of the spike in the head, that is cool, is and also um, the scene of the uh, spike in the man. <laughs> no, the scene of the uh, um, priestess being killed. Yeah, that's a great scene. It's a great yeah. scene. Yeah, so I, I, there I would some still better, recommend there's some that more one. standout scenes in the first. I will say, yeah, exactly. That's why it's more memorable for me, and why I would want to recommend that one over this one. Because honestly, I don't think Dimension in this one does really anything that interesting. No, I, uh, I think the characterization of it is a little bit off too. Like last time. Yeah, what he blushes in this interesting one. Was so the weird. fact that how relentless and ruthless he was. This time he had a more of a purpose, and that actually makes him more problematic as a character. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just when you consider like the implications oh. of that, like it's just, yeah, it actually I, makes I, it more problematic. Whereas whenever before he's this unrelenting force that nobody can control. Here, when there's more of this control element and more of this reaction element it's it's more problematic yeah no no, no. i think <laughs> sure i, I think you're on to something i'm yeah. excited to hear your thoughts next week yeah we'll get into that next week it'll be interesting uh do you have a rhyme for next week the wrath of dimogen alex the wrath of dimogen what did i say the rhyme of dimogen no you said wrath oh. you said wrath no I, I was just thinking i was thinking of a rhyme of, of dimogen for the wrath of dimogen <laughs> um <laughs> uh Okay, yeah, so next week we're going to face Dimension's Wrath. Does it carve its own path, or is it so weighed down by the dirt of this one that it needs a bath? <laughs> I don't know. It was bad. Uh, that was literally my rhyme, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I said, when we face Dimension's Wrath, will we see a new path or need to take a bath? Did you really? <laughs> I really did. And you typed that up? I had typed it up. So just goes to show that preparing doesn't do you anything. You know what, Eric? All that training with the Avas is finally paying off. It's paying We're syncing up. It's, pay, it's paying off. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive that weekly bonus off-the-cuff episode, the MVM Plus, that we talked about earlier in the episode. 
And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. piano sync or do we try to sync like the dancing sync i was thinking the a little bit of both what if Ooh. we were doing both what if we were dancing and, dancing and playing, and the, playing piano? the piano sync i mean <laughs> <laughs>